0: good morning. Please, uh, if you would, just take a minute and let's just pray together as we open God's Word and ask the Lord to lead our time uh, in His Word. Jesus, we love you so much and we're so thankful to be in your presence as a family, as a church, as your bride. We're so thankful that you came to be our bridegroom, the one that would rescue us, the one that would give us life through your death. And so this morning, Lord, I pray that your word would pierce our hearts, that it would guide our minds to have a deeper understanding, a deeper longing uh, to be in this, this beautiful, undeserving relationship that you've given us. So we pray this in the name of Jesus, our King, and we love you. Amen. Well, uh, as J.P. read, we're, we're going to be looking on this, this third week in Advent uh, in the book of Hosea. Uh, Hosea is a minor prophet in the Old Testament. Uh, the book was written no later than 735 B.C., written to a people that Hosea would be very familiar with in uh, northern Israel. This is after the, the division of the North and South Kingdom. So Hosea is speaking to his people. Uh, this area that that we're speaking to this morning, that Hosea is speaking to, they are uh, a prosperity uh, area There's the, the land is rich, um, much like America. It's whatever they need, it was at hand. And so they were doing very well for themselves. Uh, very presumptuous in so many ways that when they desired something, they just went after it. They didn't ask much, many questions. They would just go and, and claim and take it for themselves. And so they always were, were getting things that they wanted. And much like America and and much like many of us, we don't always know the difference between the things that we want and the things that we need. And in this, Hosea is going to look into his people and he's going to recognize and help them recognize that there's a difference. That we can't just be people who are always wanting, but he wants to show them these are the things, this is the thing that you need the most at first glance uh, of the, the, the whole of the book, you kind of see this relationship between Hosea and, and Gomer. And at first glance, it seems like this is a story about a man and a woman and their marriage and their dysfunction and their issues. And they're trying to figure things out. But much like uh, that, it's a it's a woman that's very unfaithful, yet a man that in spite of his wife's actions, he remains incredibly faithful to her. And we see this parallel in this, is that it's not just a story about an unfaithful woman and a faithful man, but it's a story about Israel. It's a story about a God that remains faithful to a nation that is full of adultery, spiritual adultery. And so this morning we're going to look at this and we're going to see that throughout the Old Testament, you're going to see that Israel has is, is kind of been pegged as this, this nation, this people group that has not been very faithful To God. Throughout the Old Testament. In Jeremiah. Ezekiel. Isaiah. Hosea. Malachi. We see that Israel. Is called. uh, An adulterer. uh, Israel is called a loose woman. Israel is called a prostitute. A whore. An evil people. And so as. As we read through the Old Testament we see where Israel is kind of coming from and we see how God is is continuing to be faithful even when Israel is not faithful. God looks at Israel and says, I've rescued you so many times. I've rescued you from this, this slavery and I brought you into the land and I provided all these things for you and you still are still chasing after this ghost of satisfaction. And so I want us to look at this text this morning. It's kind of the background of, of Hosea, the story. And we're going to look at really glimpse through the first two chapters and then kind of camp out in the third chapter. But we're going to see that uh, this relationship with God is much like our relationship with God. Homer and, I mean, uh, Hosea and Gomer, their relationship, their marriage is much like our relationship with God and that it's kind of like a marriage, right? We're going to see that in this relationship that there's a lot of dysfunction because of us. And we're also going to see that in this relationship, God is always going to redeem it in spite of us. So in chapter 1, um, we kind of see, see it kind of get set up. Uh, God comes, I'm just going to walk through this kind of quickly. But God comes to Hosea for the first time and speaks to him for the first time. And he points to this, this street lady all right, and says, that lady is going to be your wife. Hosea is obedient. Now, I'm sure there might have been some internal questions. We don't get to see them in the, in the text, right? But I'm sure he's like, what? Like, this street lady is going to be my wife? But he's obedient, and he marries her. And we see this rapidly kind of go through uh, in the first chapter. And he marries her, and they have three children. And God names these three children. He names them. Their, their names mean, the first name is Scattered. The second one is no mercy. And the third child is called not my people. All right, so that's what we get in chapter one. God, Hosea, going to marry the street lady. You're going to have kids. I'm going to name your kids. Scattered, not my people, and no mercy. All right, so things have really started off well for, in this relationship. But then in chapter two, what we see is that God begins to, or the, the, Hosea begins to unpack uh, chapter 1 and where we're going to see in chapter 3, he starts to give a little bit more detail. He draws out the picture a little bit. We see Gomer, the wife, still a very confused woman even after she's been married. She can, continues to be very provocative. Several extramarital affairs or extramarital relationships. She's an adulterer. It becomes bad enough that, that she becomes a prostitute, a streetwalker. I'm just saying you're going, what does it take in your marriage for that to happen? Or what's going on in your own heart? What are you seeking that you're trying to find some sort of satisfaction that you've got to continue to go from one man to the next man, trying to find some sort of satisfaction? She falls in love with these men, but it's not love. She's on this journey to, to, to fulfill something in her heart that, that nothing and, and no one, no person can fulfill she sees these men as they continue to provide food and oil and money for her and she forgets about her husband and she continues to live this lifestyle laying with man after man and creating this false perception of being loved and cared for then in chapter 2 we also see that Hosea he's very aware of his wife's situation his wife's circumstances I'm sure that, that he's heartbroken. The, the woman that God gave him to love has decided not to be loved by him at all, but gone to all these other men to, find, to try to find that false sense of, of being cared for. Yet, he remains faithful to her. What Gomer doesn't know is is that these men that she's been laying with, they haven't been providing anything for her. They've been taking advantage of her, but, but Hosea would actually show up at the, at the doorsteps of these men with baskets of oil and food and money to make sure that, that his wife would be provided for. I can't even get my mind around that. That this faithful man would show up at the adulterer's house and make sure that his wife continues to be cared for. Because he knows that they won't. It's kind of a beautiful twisted picture, right? Then in the second half of chapter 2, that's kind of the first half of of chapter 2. The second half of chapter 2 we see that God says to Hosea, you will allure Gomer and you'll speak gently to her. You'll bring her back into this relationship. You will show her that you are her husband and that you will never leave her and you will never forsake her. And this is where we start seeing these great layers in the story of Hosea. Gomer represents Israel. Gomer represents us. Hosea is a, is a foreshadowing or a type of Christ. Hosea is this understanding of, of who and how God is, is caring for us. So he looks at Hosea and says, I want you to allure her in. Bring her close to me as I will do the same thing with Israel. God let her run off. Let her run her course. And now God is going to capture her back and bring her back in. And He's going to say, you've been worshipping this bell. You've been worshipping these false gods. You've been trying to find all the satisfaction in all these wrong places. And the whole time, I have been providing for you. And you thought it was all these other false gods. God uses Hosea's children and those names to kind of unpack how and what He will do. He says that first... Once they were scattered far from me, and I gave them no mercy, and they were not my people. But now, I will scatter them like seeds, and they will be fruitful. It's the same Hebrew word, to scatter in a healthy and fruitful way. I will scatter them, and they will be fruitful. I will pour out my mercy on them, and they will know, and they will be my people, and I will be their God. That's a pretty large paradigm shift that happens right there. This country, this, this nation, these people that were going away from God, God says, I'm going to lure them back in, and now I'm going to make them mine, and then I'm going to be their God. Hosea is, is noticing that his wife, Gomer, is a, is a very uh, woman. And she's doing things that are, she's being unfaithful, yet he stands his ground. And he says, I'm going to continue to be faithful. I'm going to continue to provide for you. The question for me is how? How does that happen? Right? And so now we're into chapter 3. And we see chapter 3 in verse 2. And it starts off, Hosea says, So I bought her. That kind of opened my eyes when I read just those, those four words. So I bought her. Gomer was for sale. It had gotten so bad that another man's wife is now for sale. Now, we don't really know why she is for sale. It doesn't give us all that background. But all we know is that whoever was laying with her at that time decided that she was his possession. And that he had the right to go and sell her. Now, she could have owed him a debt. She could have stolen something from him. This guy could have been a, a, a pimp. We don't know, but all we know is that, that this person decided that you have no more value to me, so now I'm going to go and I'm going to sell you. She's in the depths and the darkest pits, and there's no hope. This auction, this, this, this slave market, it's a slave auction. It's not just for street walkers. These are people that whoever buys them will get to do whatever they want with them. How devastating for the husband to be kind of on the outskirts seeing all of this. Seeing the woman that God said, I want you to love, I want you to marry, I want you to be faithful to. Being strung through the, the mud. Placed in a position, being abused. And now she's going to be sold. As a slave. And I want us to look at... What happens? All right, so I'm going, to, I'm going to kind of step out of the story and I want you to step into the story with me. And we're going to use our imagination a little bit and just to kind of get a feel for what's really happening here. Gomer's 100% aware of her unfaithfulness. She continues to do it over and over again and now she's on a podium and the bidding is about to begin. The auctioneer says, how much? Where will we start the bidding? Five shekels? Will anyone pay five shekels for this streetwalker? And you hear a man's voice in the crowd says, We want to see her! And as the auctioneer reaches over and tears her clothing, it just numbs the pain of never being satisfied. And she closes her eyes, and she's crying, and she's standing there naked and ashamed on this podium. She doesn't want to see the buyers or who would even be bidding on her at this point. And then she hears this familiar voice, broken and saddened, from the crowd says, she's mine. I will pay the price. I will pay the debt. Whatever the cost. That's my wife. And he takes her down off the podium and he covers her naked body. And he wipes the tears from her face and he says to her, I want to dwell with you. I want to dwell, I want to live, I want to dwell with you. You will not lay with another man for a time and you will not even lay with me for a time. You'll be absence of the thing that you're so familiar with and you've been trying to seek satisfaction. We're going to remove that and we're just going to be. And you're going to belong. And it's a place where you can be loved and cared for and protected. Hosea paid the price in that moment, in that time, to restore and reconcile the relationship. And Gomer finally finds rest and peace that she's always longed for. A place that she can be loved and cared for and belong. In verse 4 we see why Hosea had to experience all this. Why did Hosea have to go through the depths of this, this kind of relationship and this kind of pain that God ordered his feet to walk down, this journey, right? God says that I want you to understand. The things that I feel towards Israel. I want you to look and feel this woman's love and, and the, her unfaithfulness. And know that's how I feel about Israel. She's unfaithful. Yet, you're going to remain faithful. And God says, I'm going to remain faithful. My f- steadfast love, my justice is going to remain perfect in every way towards Israel. Verse two, twenty-three, and I will sow her for myself in the land, and I will have mercy on no mercy, and I will say to my people, you are my people, and they shall, and and he shall be, and he shall say, you are my God. God is teaching Israel and us a very important lesson in his faithfulness. In Jeremiah Jeremiah 2, Jeremiah 3, and Jeremiah 4, it says that we're all lovers of foreign gods, we're all, we all idol makers and worshipers. And we need someone to come and say, I will pay the price so that you know that I'm faithful and you can come and you can be and belong with me. So what does it mean to follow another God? What does it mean to understand truly the depths of where Gomer was, where Israel was? When I was writing, writing the sermon The song, uh, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places, kept popping in my head. Johnny Lee, Urban Cowboy, you got me? All right. The lyrics, looking for love in all the wrong places, looking for love in so many faces, searching their eyes and looking for traces of what I am dreaming of. The dream for all of us, right, is to be love, is to be in a place that, that we belong. And we do this with so many things. We do this with our jobs, right? We do this with our our neighborhood where we live. We do this with what we drive sometimes. We do this with our church. We do this with our spouse. And when things don't work out the way that we want them to, so often our first response is that, well, I'll just change. I'll just get a new job. I'll move into a new neighborhood. Right? I'll find a new spouse. Sometimes that's where our natural proclivity is to fall and to go towards, is that I'll just change it instead of remain faithful and see what God is doing. This is what we do as a sinful people. This is what Gomer did. And the reality is, is that Gomer, she was giving herself to all the wrong places, looking for love in all the wrong places and all the wrong faces. But there is something deep in her heart longing to belong. That that she was trying to fill with all these men, yet only God could fill the void in her heart. We're all like this. We all turn from God and we try to find something else to satisfy us. It happened for the very first time in the garden with Adam and Eve. They heard God's voice and said, That doesn't satisfy me. It's in us, it's ingrained in us. And if we're not aware of it, then we'll continue to have this wicked cycle. We all chase idols. When's the last time you had a political agenda and it it had given you contentment for the rest of your life, right? Or what job has ever satisfied your soul? What person has ever fulfilled the longing, the longing for identity? What neighborhood has ever allowed you to be free? What selfish act has ever been enough? What idol has ever loved you back? None of them. All these things, they're all fighting for our attention. They want us to, to be devoted to them. They want our sacrifice. They want our obedience. They want our fear. But none of them want our love. Only God wants our love. He says, love the God. Love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And love others like I have loved you. Or like you want to be loved. Well, how do we know what that is? Because He Showed us. He loved us while no one else loved us. We love because he first loved us. And so our love to God is because he first loved us. And that's the good news. Verse 4 in chapter 3. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Afterwards, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. And they shall become and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. Gomer is like Israel. Her promiscuity with other gods and other idols. Baal has only increased in her worship. Right. And now Hosea shows up. On the scene to rescue Gomer, like God will show up on the scene and rescue Israel and rescue his people. Israel will be without a king for a while. And then the seed of David, the descendant of David, will come. They're not seeking David, David's been dead for 250 years. They're waiting for the Messiah. They're waiting for the one that was promised in the covenant to Abraham. The seed will be fulfilled through the, the, the bloodline of David. The son of David will come and be the rescue. rescuer. He is Jesus. Hosea was not the perfect spouse. He's a type. He's a shadow. He's, he's pointing to the one that is the perfect spouse. In verse 5, we see that Israel shall return to seek God and, the, the day, and David their king. Well, Jesus will show up in the marketplace. And he will say, I will pay the price. He will say, they're my people. What's the cost? Jesus will show up and, and pay the ultimate price so that we can be freed from the podium of death. The podium of being a slave to all these other things that will never bring us life. And so the question for us today is that are you, if you're suffering with anything, is there a meltdown in your life? Is the season to be crazy, right? And are you reliant? Do you recognize that Jesus is the perfect spouse? That he came as a baby to come and rescue us from this very thing that we're reading about in Hosea. That he came to be our bridegroom. He came to be our spouse. And this is a time of year that we recognize that, yes, the seed of David came to rescue us in the form of a baby in a manger. And now he is the bridegroom to the church. And he's called us to come and to be worshipers of him. We're going to sing uh, Silent Night in just a moment. And we're going to listen to the words and we're going to recognize that That the only reason that there's holy peace is that Jesus showed up. Jesus came. The only reason that Gomer can go and lay with Hosea the night that she's taken down from that podium and not be uh, sexual with him or with any other man is because she has now been rescued and reconciled and redeemed and restored and the price has been paid for her life. And he's like, I will continue to be faithful to you like God to Israel. And like us, is that we have been restored, reconciled, and redeemed. And we can lay at night with great peace because our Father who is in heaven sent His Son Jesus to come and pay the price and rescue us from the podium of death. And so we sing Silent Night because the holy peace that we feel is only through Jesus, in Christ alone, through faith alone, by grace alone. No other place will we ever find peace. And we live in a world that's going to constantly fight for our attention, fight for us to worship something else. And we recognize that we have a perfect spouse, a perfect bridegroom in Jesus. And we understand that the the price has been paid. Then we just want to worship Him. And so I invite you, as we sing Silent Night, to think through those words and just worship Jesus that has come to restore and reconcile and redeem His people for His glory. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. We're so glad that you came to be our our bridegroom. God, you've, you've shown us what it's like. You've charged men to love their wives like you love the church. And so, Lord, help us to know how to do that, to give ourselves like you gave yourself for them. God, you gave yourself for us. You gave all of you. And in return, you're asking for us to give all of ourselves to you. That's what a vow looks like. So we say our vows to you, Jesus. We confess with our mouth we need you. We need you to come and rescue us. Will you be our Savior? And we say thank you, Jesus, for giving all of you, all of yourself, fully over to death so that we can understand what life is like in you. You're a good bridegroom. And we love you and we need you and we want to worship you right now. Thank you for your peace. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our King. Amen.